Welcome to the Rolling Thunder Review Podcast, where it is time, finally, for the NBA playoffs. And to help us preview the Thunder Trailblazers first-round matchup, we have Ryan Buchanan from Blazers Edge joining us on the other line. How you doing, man? Doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much for coming on. So um, before we jump right into this playoff series, just take us through the Trailblazers kind of season this year. What did you think? How did it compare to what people were, maybe what you were expecting at the start of the preseason were the biggest surprises, I guess, just in two minutes, the Trailblazers regular season. <laughs> I'll do my best. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, obviously, the Blazers had a tremendous regular season. Uh, the Blazer fan base as a whole, I think, uh, wasn't too concerned about the regular season. Everything coming into this year was all about the playoffs. <laughs> that obviously shifted quite a bit when Yusuf Nurkic went down with a broken leg a few weeks back. Um, so it's kind of altered the landscape, as it were. CJ McCollum dealing with a bit of an injury himself. He looks like he's back just about 100%. Uh, but overall, very successful regular season. Uh, they had guys step up all over the place. Zach Collins had a, a really solid second half of the year, uh, particularly after the All-Star break. He struggled a bit in that first half. Wasn't a regular part of the rotation. Uh, the, the signings of Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood have provided immediate dividends and then Damian Lillard has just had a, an MVP caliber year. Yeah. I think Lillard finished right up. I think, you know, Giannis and Harden were the runaway guys and then it was him and the Thunder's own Paul George or somewhere in that mix for third and fourth, um, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Dame has been doing this for four or five years now. He's been an all NBA caliber guy. Um, and it was a great season for the Trailblazers, but not that great for them whenever they had to play the Oklahoma City Thunder, who beat them in all four regular season contests. So I don't necessarily think because of that that the Thunder should be super heavily favored. You know, teams have overcome kind of a bad regular season performance to beat a team in the playoffs. Actually, the Thunder did really well against the Jazz last year in the regular season, lost that playoff series. But so what do you see as the Trailblazers' kind of biggest strengths, biggest things they can exploit about the Thunder in this first round series? Yeah, and first I, I, I want to point out, like, yes, the Thunder swept the Blazers, but all four of those games were pretty close. Two of them could have gone either way. One of them obviously going down to overtime. So, you know, I think it's a bit overblown that they got swept. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I take a, a matchup with the Thunder over a team like the Jazz, even though the Blazers split against them because Utah just obliterated Portland in two of their matchups. So, you know, competitive games all throughout. Uh, but as far as the biggest strengths, uh, and it all kind of changed uh, once Yusuf Durkic went down last month. But I, the biggest strength to me is uh, the, just the sheer amount of guys that have stepped up their level of play. Uh, look at guys I've mentioned, Collins, Cantor, Hood, uh, Jake Lehman for a, a, a long time during the season. He's cooled off quite a bit. Uh, Seth Curry has played really well. They, they've, they're getting all kind of contributions. Mo Harkless has, has really had a, a drastic turnaround. And uh, they're just getting really a lot from just about everybody up and down the roster. They're still an incredibly deep team considering the fact that they're playing without Yusuf Nurkic. So I think that's the biggest plus in the Blazers' favor. And also the fact that Damian Lillard has made a concerted effort over the final couple of weeks of uh, making sure his teammates get involved. He's not just doing everything himself. He actually hasn't been looking to score all that much down the stretch. His his shooting numbers aren't even that great. Uh, But he really hasn't forced the issue. His assist numbers are way up, and uh, the team's rolling right now. They've got great chemistry. Yeah, Lillard is, you know, this is a very hot take. Damian Lillard is, I think, the biggest strength for the Trailblazers. 
both, you know, just as a team as a whole, but in this matchup in particular, even though, you know, the Thunder did win all four regular season games, but they were very close. You know, Dame had averaged 35 points per game against the Thunder in the four regular season matchups. And that was with only shooting 25% from three. And I thought some of those attempts, guys like Paul George or even Russell Westbrook did a decent job contesting a shot, but he also just bonked some open looks. I think he might shoot even better from three if the Thunder aren't able to kind of take him out of his rhythm and do more aggressive things against him than they were able to do in the regular season. It's weird to say with him averaging 35 points per game, the Thunder got lucky that he didn't average more, uh, at least in a couple of those regular season games. And so that's, it all starts with Dame, right? Just like last year with the, uh, the Pelican series against the Trailblazers, where when the Pelicans started trapping everything they threw at Dame, uh, they trapped every time there was a pick and roll involving Dame to just force the ball out of his hands. No one of the Trailblazers was able to kind of make a play in the space that that created and just, cause the trailblazers to just get completely mucked out of their offense. CJ McCollum had like a decent shooting series, but he wasn't able to run the offense the way Dame is. And just, it ended up being a sweep. And I think the thunder will kind of try to bring a similar strategy. The thunder kind of last year, especially always ran a strategy like that, where they bring, if you know, the screener is the center, Steven Adams comes all the way up, runs towards the ball handler. So both there's two guys on the ball handler, force the ball out of that guy's hands. And then the thunder counter the fact that all their other three guys are really long, fast guys who can like tag out to the roll man, recover to the shooter, and just get tips, deflections, and just force their team to complete some very hard passes. So even if they don't get a turnover, they have time to reset their defense after that trap. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think they will try it against the Trailblazers because they saw it work last year. Um, what do you think? I mean, they saw that in the playoffs last year. He's seen it again in the regular season. I think he's gotten better at handling it, but if the Thunder kind of throw that similar Pelican strategy at him. What do you think is going to be the result this year? Right. Yeah, it's a very good point. And I would, I would be shocked if we don't see it. I think that's the, that's kind of been set up as the, the blueprint to beat the Blazers uh, over the last, you know, year plus now. But I, I think the big difference is that you've got uh, your role guys are playing so much differently than they were last season. This team isn't so reliant on not just Damian Lillard, but not just Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. You've got a lot of guys stepping up. They can hit those open shots if you try to double too hard on Dame. So I think they're in a much better position to deal with that. And I don't think that strategy will be as effective this year as we saw a year ago. Yeah, I think I think it might end up being the Thunder's best bet just because if they defend Dame with normal pick and roll coverage, he's going to just probably rain fire down on them but that doesn't mean it's going to work the way it worked last year i think dame is a really smart player i think terry stott's a really smart coach i think the trailblazers have come with counters to it their biggest thing that was working for them is that nurkic got so much better catching the ball in the short roll and being able to make plays or score himself him being out hurts them i feel but um other guys are gonna be able to step up and for the you know starting in nurkic's place now is ennis Cantor, formerly of the oklahoma city thunder do you the last time Cantor played in a playoff series, he played for the Thunder, and it was the series where, like, in early in the second game, Billy Donovan was kind of caught on tape saying, can't play Cantor after Cantor got roasted in pick and roll for, like, the third or fourth time. Do you think Cantor needs to have a big role in this series for the Trailers to succeed? Do you, or the flip of that, do you think they can succeed with Cantor having a big role? What do you see his role being in this series? Yeah, I, I think they can. I think that the question is going to be, like you mentioned, the pick and roll defense. That's... I, that's probably my biggest concern going into no not just this matchup. If they were to play Utah, that was been my biggest concern going into that matchup as well. So that certainly worries me. Um, but one thing I do think that they can counter that a bit is the Zach Collins has been tremendous defensively off the bench 
So if you get into a situation where Cantor is just consistently getting roasted, you can go to Zach uh, Collins, I think, with a certain level of confidence out there that he can kind of stem the tide. But for Ennis, if he can get things going on the offensive end enough that he can kind of mask those defensive deficiencies, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, that's always been the thing with Cantor. Is he going to score and maybe do well enough on the offensive glass that it offsets just how terrible he is defensively? But the one time these two teams played each other this season with Cantor in the lineup, it was Nurkic got ejected towards the end of regulation, that overtime game. And the Thunder just ran pick and roll at Cantor every single play in overtime and were able to kind of run away in overtime as much as you can run away in a five-minute period. Um, but I was just looking at the the numbers before we started this podcast, and the, Pel- the, excuse me, the Pelicans, the Trailblazers have pretty much the same defensive rating with Cantor on the court as they do for the season as a whole. He hasn't really tanked their defense kind of the way you would expect. Their starting lineup with Cantor has been really bad defensively um, with Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Harkless, and uh, Cantor. But some of the other lineups where it's only literally McCollum with Evan Turner in there, not that I think Evan Turner is solving their defensive problems, but overall they've been okay defensively with Nurkic. I think the Thunder are going to go at him every time and try to make him pay. Um, If they succeed in that, then the Trailblazers are going to need to adjust, which I I think at some point that might happen. Maybe in game one, Cantor does a decent job holding up, but eventually at some point, I think Cantor is going to start to get played off the floor. And then Collins coming at center or Myers Leonard coming at center is very interesting to me because the Trailblazers do struggle a bit um, giving up offensive rebounds when they have those guys in rather than Nurkic or Cantor. And obviously the Thunder with Steven Adams are a phenomenal offensive rebound team, but Collins is gives them a different look and that he is at least in theory kind of a stretch option at center, which Stephen Adams has struggled with. So I think that is going to be really interesting when when and if or when Cantor kind of has to get played out of the series, how that look with Zach Collins at center looks, right? If the Thunder are still able to defend passively well and then just dominate the offensive glass, then Collins isn't going to be any more effective than Cantor. But if the Trailblazers with Collins are able to stretch the floor a little more, pull Adams away from the rim, get better looks for themselves, then we've got a really interesting series. Yeah, and one thing I wouldn't rule out, Ben, is uh, Terry Stotts playing both Cantor and Collins on the floor at the same time. Mm -hmm. They've done it a little bit down the stretch, and they've had quite a bit of success to it. So I think that could be the answer to some of those questions. That's true, yeah. If you're you're using Adams as the primary screen, which the Thunder love to do because he sets these screens that just rattle people's bones, you could stick Collins on him and have Cantor kind of guard uh, Jeremy Grant. And the Thunder can use Jeremy Grant as a screener, but it's less effective than Adams just because he's not as big and strong at setting screens and Cantor might do a little better there. That's a possible adjustment they could make. Um, that's enough talk about Ennis Cantor, who I think is not the most interesting player in this series. Who besides Dame is going to be just really important for the trailblazers? Like, is it one person or is it more what you talked about that depth that they have? Yeah, I think it's two. And one of them I've talked about quite a bit already is Collins. I think he's going to play a huge factor in this series interesting enough he's always been a defensive guy but over the last few weeks he's really gotten his offensive game going I'm curious now they haven't been if you look at the Blazers schedule they really haven't been playing anybody down the stretch so I'm curious to see how that will play out in the playoffs against a really quality opponent like the Thunder but it was definitely an encouraging sign and then Mo Harkless I think is the other guy this was a guy it's funny because two months ago everybody in Portland was ready for him to be out of the rotation. Everybody wanted uh, either Jake Lehman or Rodney Hood starting, the other one to back up at the three, and Mo to just basically be a non-factor. <laughs> He's, he, he dealt with injuries for 
pretty much the first three quarters of the season. He's healthy now, and he's playing great. He's locked in, and he's been one of the most important players down the stretch. Uh, None bigger than hitting that big game winner against the Lakers the other night that clinched home court advantage. So I think he's going to be huge because he's not only is he a solid defender, but he's starting to get his offensive game going again, too, and he's turning back into more of a real true two-way player. Do you think, yeah, is he who you would think they're going to start guarding Paul George? Yeah, that too. uh, Yeah, I would be shocked if he didn't. Yeah, that's what I think as well, which I guess now that we've kind of covered the Blazers' strengths in this series, we can cover what the Thunders are. The biggest thing for the Thunder is Paul George. Again, hot take. Damian Lillard is important for the Blazers. Paul George is important for the Thunder. But the Blazers don't have any wing who's as big as Paul George, which, you know, there aren't that many wings as big as Paul George. He's 6'9", 6'10", with legitimate three-point range in the handle. He averages 28 points a game. But Aminu and Harkless, to your point, are both guys who I think they can throw on him. And it's just how well they're able to stick with him. I think one thing that's going to be interesting is the Thunder play Paul George, you know, off the ball and on the ball, right? Russell Westbrook is their point guard is going to handle the ball. But Paul George can run the pick and roll himself. I think in this series, Paul George being the one to run the pick and roll is going to be important for the Thunder because he has that three-point range. And, you know, Ennis Cantor is not good defending the three-point line or really defending the rim. But... If he's able to just drop all the way to the rim, he can at least not foul. He's a big guy. He can put his hands up. He'll sometimes get blocks. Where I've seen him really struggle and where he struggled against in that Rocket series where he can't play him is when a guard or a ball handler in the pick and roll is able to like rise up from three-point range and Cantor just can't get out quick enough. And if he does over-recover, the guy just shoots past him and gets to the rim. Russell Westbrook should not be shooting threes off the dribble. He has many strengths as a player. He also has many weaknesses as a player. One of them is he can't shoot threes off the dribble and he's okay at catch and shoot threes but really he shouldn't take a ton of those either paul george can so if the thunder use him as the uh operator in the pick and roll that's where i think they can really start to inflict punishment on the blazers but the blazers you know the blazers have counters to that one of which is if harkless is successful fighting over those screens and staying attached to paul george then it doesn't matter as much the canter can't slip up to him because harkless can just stay attached to him so i do think again hot take how well the blazers can guard paul george is going to be pretty important yeah, it certainly puts a lot of pressure on guys like Mo. And uh, when Westbrook has the ball, Dame, when you've got Cantor behind you, because there's really no no help defense back there. So it puts a lot of pressure on that primary defender there. Uh, and that, that's going to be a key. I think it's totally a key. I think it's going to be, you know, I could easily see Paul George just taking over and the Thunder winning this series. That could very easily happen. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I think he's easily the key factor for the Thunder. Yeah, what I am – interested in is besides Paul George so like the Thunder their biggest the thing they do on offense is they only have two guys well three guys if you can call it Dennis Schroeder but in the starting lineup there's only two guys who are going to really handle the ball and attack it's Westbrook and Paul George Terrence Ferguson is just going to stand in the corner and wait for threes Jeremy Grant and Stephen Adams will be involved in the screen as screen and rollers and Grant can pop out for three and he can do a little bit of the ball in hands but it's mostly going to be Westbrook and Paul George and Thunder at their best against the Blazers and just in general is when Westbrook is attacking, trying to get to the rim in pick and roll and using that to try to set up other guys, um, trying to pass out to other guys or the other team lets him get to the rim, fine, he takes it. And then Paul George getting the lion's share of the shots. Where the Thunder stink is when Westbrook tries to beat his opponent one-on-one, his opposing point guard matchup one-on-one, which last year he got into a little bit against Ricky Rubio. He was just would run down, try to post up Ricky Rubio, take these like barfy fadeaway bricky jumpers that hit the backboard and not the rim. And were just waste of possessions because he wanted to prove how much better he was than Ricky Rubio. And he and Dame Lillard 
have that same kind of rivalry. Westbrook right. said, uh, I've been busting that ass for years when they beat them early season, which I looked at the stats. It's actually been a very even matchup, not to uh, go against Russ's word there, but it's been a pretty even matchup between the two of them over their careers. And if Lillard either, you know, goes Westbrook into that or just by the sheer fact that Dame Lillard as a person seems to annoy Westbrook, Westbrook gets in that mode, the Thunder's offense is going to look very, very bad. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the key. You know, if I'm the Blazers, yeah, I'm going uh, – I'm playing Paul George incredibly aggressively, trying to get – I want the ball in Westbrook's hands. I want him to take the shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if he makes them, you tip your cap and you move on. But I'd rather uh, have Westbrook try to beat than George at this point. So I think they'll be playing – I think they'll be more than happy with the ball in Westbrook's hands and try to get him into that kind of a shootout mode with Dame. And I think Dame will be certainly trying to get in his head and get in those head games. 100%. And that's where I think where this series might turn the most, at least when the Thunder and offense and the Trailblazers are on defense, is what happens when Paul George runs a pick and roll and the Blazers just overload to get the ball out of his hands, right? Cantor's yep. not a great guy defending the rim back there, but the Thunder starting lineup has, if Paul George is the one handling the ball, only one good three-point shooter, Jeremy Grant, who also is kind of unproven. This is the first year he's been a good three-point shooter. He shot 38%. Um, on his attempts, he was taking about four per game, which is pretty good. They're all catch and shoot, a lot of them from the corner. But until this point, he'd been like a 32% shooter. Terrence Ferguson, same thing. He shot like 35, 36%. But he it was he had two cold months, then three hot months, then two more cold months. Who knows? And Westbrook is not a even as catch and shoot, he's below average as a shooter. So when they run the pick and roll with Paul George Baller, there's three non-shooters, and the Blazers are going to help off aggressively. And Paul George sometimes will be able to fight through multiple guys and get to the rim and get fouled anyways, but he won't every time. And so I think what it's going to come down to for the Thunder offense is what happens when Paul George lets go of the ball. Is Jeremy Grant going to continue hitting threes the way he did in the regular season? Because the Trailblazers are going to dare him to. They're going to be like, hey, nice regular season, very cute, good success story. Do it in the playoffs when everyone's watching, when the lights are on, when the pressure's on. Do that a few times before we actually believe you can do it. And if he quakes in that moment, they can just keep not guarding him. Same thing with Ferguson and with Westbrook. It's not a matter of, I want him to hit those catch-and-shoot threes. It's If he catches the ball after Paul George has kind of forced the defense into rotation, is he going to charge to the rim and either get a shot for himself or make a kick to someone who's now wide open and succeed? Or is he going to kind of settle for those bad jump shots? Same thing with Dennis Schroeder. When he's in the game, what's he going to do? Is he able to hit his catch-and-shoot threes? Is he able to play make against that scramble defense? That's what it's going to come down to. Paul George is going to get plenty of points, but there's going to be plays where the Blazers are able to send a lot of help, force the ball out of his hands, and it comes down to what the other three guys on the court for the Thunder are able to do when that happens. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what Grant could do because he's had some big games against Portland this year and years past. So he certainly burned us a few times. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how he's going to come out and look. Yeah, as am I. I've always been, I've been high on Jeremy Grant last year. I wrote during the playoffs that they should be starting him over Carmelo Anthony, which was you know, more of an indictment of Carmelo than praise of Jeremy Grant. But I've always liked him. He's had the best season of his career. That contract they signed, which looked like an overpay when it was first signed, at least to some people, now looks like a fantastic deal. He's just got to do it in the playoffs now to prove once and for all this is who the real Jeremy Grant is. Um, and I'm excited to see it. So beyond that, we, you know, we talked about the strengths for both teams. Um, is there anyone... Outside of this, and we already talked about Harkless, who falls into this, but anyone maybe coming off the bench or just a not big name who could kind of be like an X factor in this series for the Trailblazers? Uh, you know, I think uh, Seth Curry could be definitely. Mm. He's 
He's been one of the best shooters in the NBA this year. Uh, not just on the team, but the entire league. Coming off that broken leg, uh, he's he's been he's playing his best basketball down the stretch. Uh, he got off to a really slow start, but he's become really that quintessential six man, and he's he's extremely locked in right now. He's a guy, especially that uh, if you try to double Dame, he, he's a guy who can knock down that shot, and he's been doing it on a consistent level. So I have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's going to play a key role in this series as the top scorer off the bench. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the Blazers use him, and him and Rodney Hood, actually, because the Blazers do like from time to time to go with kind of like three guard lineups where like Dame and McCollum play with those one of those two guys or Dame plays with both guys or whatever have you, or even Evan Turner on the mix. But none of those guys – that means one of them is essentially going to be the small forward, and none of them really have the size to go against Paul George. So I fear that that does limit how much they can do that against the Thunder. But that you know, doesn't mean he can't play Seth Curry. It just means the minutes where McCollum's on the bench, he's the guy playing the two um, in most circumstances. And yeah, the Thunder uh, do not do well against people with the last name Curry. Uh, <laughs> now, Seth, Seth is not his brother, but he is a fantastic shooter. He can stretch the Thunder out. And the Thunder got to stay disciplined. Terrence Ferguson has had a pretty remarkable defensive year for a second-year player, but he still makes mistakes sometimes. He can, when he's really locked in, he's good at fighting around screens and staying attached, but he can occasionally die on screens, and that's the Blazers love to run Curry and McCollum and Lillard, for that matter, off of those staggered screens without the ball to catch them, to get them those open catch-and-shoot looks. That's like a minor battle to watch is just how Ferguson holds up guarding those guys. And when Ferguson's off the court, because the Thunder start him, but they probably wound up closing the game with Westbrook and Schroeder together. How do Schroeder and Westbrook do his off-ball defenders? Schroeder and Westbrook are kind of decent enough on-ball defenders. They're at least engaged. Westbrook is big and athletic. Schroeder's quick. He's got sharp hands. Where they struggle is when they're off the ball. They both can kind of fall asleep, and they both just can die on screen sometimes. Um, and that's going to get the Blazers open threes, and the Thunder need to not give up open threes to the Trailblazers, or any team, but especially the Trailblazers who have all these great shooting guards. So that's a minor thing to watch. And for the Thunder, I think Schroeder is kind of that X factor for them. He has had, you know, he's had a good season in this one sense, the sense that he is a legitimate NBA point guard, which the Thunder have not had backing up Russell Westbrook. So for the last, you know, the first two years post Kevin Durant, they were just a black hole when Westbrook was off the court because they just didn't have anyone who was legitimately a point guard and to get them into an offense. Schroeder can get you into your offense and run some plays. And then the praise kind of stops there because he is just, an incredibly hot and cold shooter. He's not great off the ball. He's worse on catch and shoot jumpers than Westbrook, except for this one hot month they had in January, which quickly proved to be a mirage. He's back to not being great at that. So off the ball, the Trailblazers can successfully, successfully ignore him. On the ball, he's not good at getting to the rim. When he does, he has a tendency to get blocked. So he settles instead for mid-range jumpers, which the Blazers are going to happily cede to them, cede to him because he will miss more than he makes. It's not a super efficient shot. Now, he has a hot game every now and then where he takes like eight of those bad mid-rangers and hits six of them and he gets good numbers. Then the next game he turns around and goes two for eight. So if Schroeder is hot in this series, if he's just hitting those mid-range shots that the Blazers are willingly going to see it to him, the Thunder are going to need to treat that as free money and take those wins. If he's missing those shots, which is the more likely thing, the Thunder need to either get him to not take those shots, which is probably not going to happen. Those are the shots he's been taking all year. They need to find a way to get points elsewhere in the minutes where Schroeder's on the court. And I am interested to see what the balance is between playing Schroeder and Ferguson for, right? Schroeder will play the minutes when Westbrook's off the court. He'll play some with Westbrook together. And recently Donovan's been going with Schroeder in the clothing lineup, but Ferguson is the better defender and the better three-point shooter. Schroeder's the better playmaker. It gives the Thunder kind of a third option to make plays alongside Westbrook and Paul George. 
Which one of those does Billy Donovan think is his best answer against the Blazers? We'll see. Um, so then I guess my next, since we kind of talked through all the big X's and O's of this series, bigger picture stuff. Both of these teams have now lost in the first round twice in a row. So someone's going to end up having lost three times in a row. If that does happen to the Blazers, if they lose this series, is it, you know, is that going to be result in major changes in Portland, like breaking up the Dame CJ backcourt or a new coach or anything like that? What do you think about that? No, for a couple of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. The big, the big ones obviously is that everything changed when Nurk went down. That right. kind of cha- drastically changed the expectations. The other thing is there's still kind of this, uh, the ownership situation is very much up in the air in Portland. Paul Allen That's passed right. away right before the season. His sister is in control right now, but she's not very active um, with that. They're kind of figuring everything out. The team's expected to be sold, but it, it could take a while. So I, for that reason, and coupled with that, there's not the expectations are not what they were. I don't expect big changes either way. Um, obviously, there was so much pressure on this team going into the season to get at least to that second round. Now I think folks are just at least kind of hoping for a competitive series. It'd be mm-hmm. nice if they could win it, but it, you know nobody's going to set the town on fire if they don't. And so I think there's a lot more pressure now on the Thunder, obviously, because they're kind of at full strength here and to see what they can do. You know they've got a, a lot, lot of talent, but they slipped out of that sixth seed. Um, still, you know, it's a very. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining series in the first round. I think these teams are a lot better matched up than that three six would indicate. Yeah. Um, so and so, I think it if it weren't for those other factors, it would be about a wash in terms of who has more pressure on them. But I think now you got to go with the Thunder. Ton of pressure on Billy Donovan as a head coach. You know, this is his fourth season as a head coach. When he was his first year, the Thunder with Westbrook, and the last year, Kevin Durant made to the conference finals. They lost after blowing a 3 1 lead. Durant left. Since then, he hasn't made it out of the first round. He's been a very good defensive coach. The Thunder are great defensively this year. They were very good defensively last year. Um, but they haven't won 50 games since Durant left town. They haven't won a playoff series since Durant left town. Their offense has just devoted. Uh, been kind of the Westbrook hero ball show and now the Paul George hero ball show. It's never been this kind of crisp offensive ball movement scheme that you'd like to see. I do think there's pressure on Donovan. Um, and then I think there's pressure on both Westbrook and Paul George. There's more on Westbrook, but for Paul George, he declared himself playoff P last year, had a great game one against Utah, and then didn't show up for the next five games in the Thunder loss. He went like two of 16 or whatever it was in the closeout game. Just awful. Now he's come back. He's had the best regular season of his career. He's averaging 28 points by far a career high and great efficiency. He's in the running for defensive player of the year, which Rudy Gobert will win, but Paul George is in the running for it. Um, He's had a fantastic year and he needs to just show up and have a dominant playoff series to kind of be shake out the, because you know, there's always been a thing until this year, Paul George hadn't hit a game winning shot, um, which was the joke because he had that Gatorade commercial where it's a game winning shot. People are like, "Hmm, that's never happened in a real NBA game. He had four game winning shots this year. He looks like a different guy, but the playoffs are a different animal, and he needs to prove that's for real. And then Westbrook, boy, oh, boy. Westbrook got blamed when Durant left town. It's like, you know, he's a selfish player. Durant didn't want to play with him. That's why he left. He had his MVP season where he averaged a triple-double, incredible, and it went nowhere. The Thunder lost in five games to the Rockets. There was always a ceiling on what that kind of team could be. And with Paul George, he got this kind of second chance at having a legitimate team with a superstar who complements his gifts really well. 
And this year he's had to take on a different role than he's used to. For this first time in a long time, he didn't lead his team in shot attempts, and he didn't even lead them in usage. He and Paul George had almost identical usage rates because Paul George was taking so many more shots and taking on some of the playmaking duty. And Russ did a good job seeding that, but now he needs to go into a playoff series where he is the second star, not kind of the first star, at least from a scoring perspective. Focus on playmaking, focus on being a great defender, look to get high-quality shots, and he just needs to not get sucked into doing what he did against Rubio last year against Lillard this year, what we talked about, just trying to back him in the post and take these dumb bank shots, show how dominant he is one-on-one, try to rock the baby and all that. That's not how the Thunder are going to win this series. They're going to win this series with an offense where Russ is attacking the rim and pick and roll and looking to find shooters and where he's seeding a healthy dosage of the offense to Paul George. And so for all three of those guys for the Thunder, the pressure is definitely on. They don't have it, to your point, with the Blazers. Last year, the Thunder uh, had Andre Roberson got hurt. They could kind of say, oh, well, that's why we didn't do well in the playoffs. Nurkic is that for the Blazers this year. Not that they're making excuses, but it's a fact. When you lose one of your starters, that hurts your team. There's nothing like that for the Thunder. They're healthy. They need to win this series. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting because it would have been even more interesting with both teams fully healthy because they're really in the same kind of spot. But right. now with Nurkic out, it's interesting. In a way, I think it will actually help the Blazers because they were going to have so much pressure on them, much that I'm sure the Thunder are feeling right now. They can kind of – they're almost playing with house money right now if you think mm-hmm. about it. So, like, anything they do is going to look really good. It, 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 there's not that expectation to get out of the first round. If they get out of the first round, people are going to be ecstatic. Right. And if, I think if they push it, if they make it a six or seven game series, they can count that as a victory without Nurkic. You're like, oh, and oh, without, without Nurkic and with CJ McCollum just back from injury, those are, you know, their second and third best players. One's out completely, one's not 100%. If they even make it a series, I think that goes down as a win for them. And if they make it out of the first round, to your point, what an accomplishment to do that without Nurkic and kind of totally exercise the demons of last year, even not at full strength. Um, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, absolutely. I think uh, it, it, what's, what's really amazing is I would almost consider this series, this matchup more difficult than the likes of Denver or San Antonio, who they would meet up in the, in the second round. So if they could if they could find a way to beat the Thunder, you know, the, Den- the, the Nuggets are looking like a very beatable team right now. So I, I'd be extremely curious to see, you know, what Portland could do if they could somehow find a way to win this series. Uh, I, I almost think this series would be tougher than the second round. Yeah, thanks to uh, Denver's little ploy where they locked the Rockets, the Jazz, the Rockets and Jazz into a first round matchup against each other on the same side as the Warriors. Whoever wins this series has a great shot at the conference finals. That's not a knock against Denver, but they've kind of limped down the stretch, which maybe momentum yeah. isn't as big a deal as we think it is. But they've also none of them except Paul Millsap have been in a playoff series before. Um, Jokic is kind of unproven. The Spurs could end up winning that series. I wouldn't doubt Greg Popovich. I wouldn't doubt the players they have. They have some personnel that can really give the Nuggets problems. And even if the Nuggets do win, they're probably going to have to win a tough series against the Spurs. And I think the Thunder and the Trailblazers have better talent to exploiting Denver's weakness than even the Spurs do. So that's a winnable series for either of these teams. So conference finals is a realistic goal for wins the series. But they got to win this series first. And I'm very excited to watch this series. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on and helping us preview it. All right, no problem. All right, take it easy, man. All right, you too. Thanks.